Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Joining us on the phone, calling from the Mid-Atlantic area. I got to tell you, this is a thrill to have on the show. One of my Baltimore police brothers, Mark Tomlin, joining us on the Law Enforcement Today show. Mark, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Oh, I'm honored, Jay. It's a pleasure. And I got to say, for transparency reasons, and uh, I sound like a politician, right? So people understand, I know Mark. I worked with Mark. We know a lot of the same men and women that we work with together. Mark actually married a woman. Uh, his first wife was in my academy class. I've known Mark since like 1980. Uh, we've known, sadly, a lot of the same officers are killed in the line of duty. We go way back, and it is an honor, and it's a privilege to have you on the show with us today. Thank you very much. It does. We go way back, don't we? Oh, wait. And how did we remain so young going that far? <laughs> Speaking for you, baby. And another thing, too, Mark comes from a big law enforcement family. When I was a young police, his dad, Leon, was one of the top commanders in the police department. A tremendous guy, tremendous law enforcement officer, just an all-around good guy. His brother, Nick, was in the police department as well. He's been like family, so I have to get that out uh, and let people know that uh, this is more than just a conversation with someone that that we've never met. And we've been policing the same areas, the same streets, uh, with the same people, dealing with the same problems. And we're going to talk about some of that because the same problems we encountered back in the 80s are still going on in Baltimore. But before we do that, let's just go and give a bird's eye view of your police career from start to finish in Baltimore, where you went from there, what you do now. I joined the police department in 1978 and retired in 1999. During my time in the police department, I was in the narcotics unit and then in the homicide unit. Uh, I got promoted to sergeant, uh, was a commander of a narcotics unit, and then went back to the homicide unit. So most of my career in Baltimore was spent in investigations, and most of that was 
spent in the homicide unit. And when I retired, I was a chief of police for several years in a uh, small municipality in Maryland. And right now I am the investigative supervisor of the arms unit in Delaware in Kent County, which is the uh, welfare fraud unit. So you're still in law enforcement. You, you can't get away from it, can you? No, I can't. I, I'm not sure whether that I can't or that I don't want to, but either way, I'm still one way or another doing the same stuff. I'm just not chasing anybody down alleys anymore. Yeah, my wife and I were laughing about that. I don't know how the conversation came up about running. And she said, your running days are over unless you're chasing someone with a gun or you're being chased with a gun, right? I said, yeah, that's that's definitely a younger person's game. I'm through with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out of that game myself, I believe. And I watched some <laughs> of these you know, body cam videos, which we didn't have back in the day, and dash cam videos of pursuits and law enforcement stuff and we get into pursuits i've seen a few in baltimore that involve you know armed people and i can tell you it brings up the adrenaline starts going and uh, so i try to not watch that stuff much at all well you know they had the uh, the one body cam video of the officer that was chasing the armed person who shot at him and he ended up it, it, just shooting the fella and i'm telling you it everything started pumping in me while i was watching it it yeah. was like it was like i was back there the stuff that we used to do of course we didn't when we first went on the police department and people left because they'll think it was 1930 instead of the 1980s we didn't have sirens in the car no we at baltimore we had the horn and we used to yell at the window get out of the way <laughs> And flash the high beams, and we had a single blue like gumball light on it. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, and that was it. And you still, you still got to your calls as fast as you could. You just beat the horn and laid on it, and had that little gumball light just turning about as slow as it could, and screaming out the window like a maniac trying to get to your call. Yeah. And when we found when we finally got sirens and bar lights, we thought we were we were in Star Wars. Well, we felt like we were like uh, finally elevated. The, the same status as the county police and state police because they had all the great equipment. We had nothing for years. <laughs> not that I have a resentment about any of that or not. No. And, and, and the whole thing is it was the folks that we worked with, the people that we worked with were, were just the best. We were. And uh, Baltimore yeah. was such a great town. It's such a, a an iconic American city for a lot of reasons, which you and I will discuss in a few moments. Un unlike you, I was not a Baltimore native. I wasn't born there. I was hired, uh, came from Southern Maryland, and so many people that we worked with back then came from Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, uh, Virginia. Even back in the 80s, they were having a horrible time recruiting officers to be in the Baltimore Police Department. We made lousy money. We had lousy equipment. I always joking say we were given 38 revolvers, a balsa wood nightstick, and mace that only worked on innocent bystanders and police. It didn't work on bad guys. Uh, no. But I wouldn't, no. I wouldn't trade a moment of it. It was the best times ever. Oh, it was... Uh it, it was the best time of our lives, and and the people that we worked with, and the uh, the things that we did, and you worked with your squads, and y y you know with your coworkers, and it was just fantastic. You always knew that the other person was around for you, and you always took care of each other, and you, for a lack of a better term, that esprit de corps that yeah. you that you just had with with the other people, and it was just phenomenal. And a lot of that, and then it, not just in Baltimore, 
But a lot of that in law enforcement nationwide somehow seems to, is it the same? Are we just looking at it differently? Uh, I, I remember when I came on the police department, the same time as you, we'd always have the old timers who would bust us all the time about yeah. this isn't the way things used to be and the way things used to be were perfect and NNN used to think, Oh, these old guys are gonna drive me crazy. And well, now we are them. Now we're 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 them. We're the old guys. So I, I'm hoping that law enforcement hasn't changed that much the way it used to be where we took care of each other. I mean, you have people in your squad, you have people that you worked with. You broke down at three o'clock in the morning. You could get on the payphone, which yeah. I hope people actually remember that they had those. You could get on the payphone and call somebody. It didn't matter whether you were best buds or not. Somebody was going to come out and help you. That's absolutely right. We're talking with Mark Tomlin. Mark has retired from the Baltimore Police Department. Spent some time as a police chief in another agency in Baltimore. Now works as an investigator for the state of Delaware. We're going to be talking about the current situation in Baltimore and cities like that. Maybe an area near you. And hopefully it's not coming to an area near you. You're listening to Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand and for over 35 years now I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677... 24 hours and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800-956-0677 get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk, largely tax-free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800-956-0677. 800-956-0677. Again, 800-956-0677. That's 800-956-0677. We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program, offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists, helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. 
Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse, manufacturing space, retail space, or more. Call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-614-7180. That's 800-614-7180. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Home Security Advisors. Call 866-334-6387. They're online at help.lockitdowntoday.com. Back to our conversation with Mark Tomlin, brother from the Baltimore Police Department. And uh, I'll say it again and again. You know, I've been telling guys in Baltimore, anytime they want to come on the show, uh, I'd be more than happy to make time for them. Uh, and I'm thrilled that you are on the show, and it's, it's an honor and privilege to have you on. We're going to talk ab- about the old days a little bit later on, because there were some good days. And, you know, the police were great, and the, the citizens of Baltimore are unique group of people. It was a unique Absolutely. city, uh, and that's changed for, for certain, but we'll talk about that in just a few moments. The reason we have you on the show is you recently wrote an article online, and in that article, you expressed some very strong opinions, which I think, and I agree with wholeheartedly, about why Baltimore, and in particular, other cities with similar problems, counties and jurisdictions, if you're having these kind of problems like Baltimore's having, why police can't solve the crime problem. Give us a synopsis of why you believe that's the case. Well, a lot of law enforcement itself is is changing, and a lot of folks are are calling for changes in law enforcement itself, changes in the police department, and and those changes that they're calling for are not necessarily wrong. They're asking for more professionalism. They're asking for things to be done better. They're asking for things to be done more constitutionally. A lot of things have happened in Baltimore and in other cities, which either goes online or you you read it, and, and it makes the police look bad. The problem is, is that as agencies attempt to change the way they do things, they start to throw away some of the things that that work. They throw out the, the baby with the bathwater. Exactly. And proactive enforcement is not the dirty term that some of the police experts make it out to be. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible to constitutionally police and to do things the right way. This isn't impossible. It's not impossible to have a better police agency that's more transparent and is more answerable to the citizens that you serve 
while still fighting crime. Right. Those things aren't impossible. They don't. They don't necessarily have to cancel each other out. Well, the people that but live in the these, communities don't want. They don't want to hide crime. They don't want to have their kids being killed. They, but they want it to be done the right way. They've. They've always but, wanted that. Of course not. These these folks in some of the most disenfranchised area in the areas in the city where the violence is most prevalent, they're like they're like prisoners in their own home. Yeah. Their kids can't play in the backyard. They can't sit on the stoops. Like when I was a kid, my grandparents would sit out on the on the marble stoops with all the other neighbors. Folks can't do for, that. For the rest of America, anymore. Mark, that's called steps. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> Baltimore has its own lingo if you didn't know by now. So yeah, the marble steps like in, in East Baltimore and the row houses, we call them stoops and, and no one had air conditioning so you would go hang out especially in the summertime and sit on the stoop. That's what you did and you, that's, that's what the whole community did. did. And, and, and you know, the issue is is that agencies are trying to change. They're, they're trying to become more answerable and and better agencies to the folks that that they serve and certain agencies like Baltimore and Chicago have have been hit with these consent degrees from the Department of Justice the Department of Justice came in and they identified some problems and some of those problems that the Department of Justice at that time identified cited discriminatory and unconstitutional police practices, uh, practices that shouldn't be done by an agency that, that causes the the citizens to feel disenfranchised. But the problem is you're walking a, a fine line. Mm-hmm. When these consent decrees came out and the commanders and and the uh, powers to be in the city started to have the police you know we're we're not going to do this much proactive enforcement we're going to be more reactive we're going to go from call to call well you know going from call to call doesn't work you got to work your post you right. know what you have to do you got to know who you the have bad to go out there are. and you you got to know who the good people are. You got to know the people that maybe just drink a little bit too much and cause some problems on Friday night. You got to know all that stuff as a post officer. And the people in the neighborhood are going to come to you right. if you know them. But if you spend eight hours a day sitting in your car with the windows rolled up, not talking to people and not getting out there, you're going to have a problem. Right. And you're not going to be able to solve crimes. And when I was all the years that I spent in the homicide, both as a detective and a supervisor, you know how many of my cases were solved by patrol? Quite a few, probably. Quite a few. Yeah. A huge majority of them were solved by patrolmen who hit the streets and got got to talking to folks and people told them stuff and the patrolman would give you i mean that's how you solve cases a a classic example mark is you know a detective would say all we have from a witness is uh they have a street name of a june bug which is a common right. street name around there, and say, and the, the post officer said, "Oh, I know a couple June bugs. Is June bug from White Lock Street? Is June bug from Pennsylvania Avenue? Which one are you?" And, and more likely would know their names because they'd arrested them and dealt with them before, and that got their first lead. 
and you went from there and right. everybody everybody worked together and you knew that the folks out there on the street working in patrol were going to be hitting their posts and hitting their people and hitting their informants and getting information they don't have that anymore they don't and and you know but it's understandable because besides the consent decree that investigation came shortly after the death of Freddie Gray right and the and the ultimate prosecution of six police officers involved in that arrest, and I won't go into a lot of detail about no, there, the that. That could be a, that could be a show in and of itself, right there. It, and, exactly, and and it's but also it's I hate to say this, and I'm not going to go to details. You understand, but this is not new. What's happening politically in Baltimore with City Hall and State's Attorney's Office and, and jumping the gun and making assumptions is not new. Unfortunately, innocent people pay the price. And and you're right. It's not new. And before those things happened and they jumped the gun and the State's Attorney's Office would push forward with the case because of public pressure. Well, that was bad when we were there. Yeah. We didn't have social media then. Yeah, now, different. you get public pressure with the phones, and of course, a cell phone video only shows you a small snippet of what actually right. happened. It doesn't show you the beginning, or it doesn't show you the end. And when they, when the state's attorney's office prosecuted these six officers, the lion's share, if not all of the officers in the department, felt that it was it, it, it was a bad prosecution, and that, and that they shouldn't have been prosecuting these officers. I'm not even going to weigh in on it. I didn't handle the investigation. No, I wasn't case, so there. I'm not going to. You know, but I didn't. I'm see not going to pretend to know. I didn't see anything that would lead me to believe there was anything there. I, and, and, and I didn't either. But yeah. the, the thing is, each one of these six officers was either found not guilty or the cases were, were dropped. But what that did, that plus the consent decree, all of a sudden you, you have the folks on the street are not really trying to be proactive. Right. And, and, and how can you blame them? I can't. They don't. They feel like anything that they do is going to come under an immediate microscope. They don't feel like, and I'm sure we'll discuss this more, but they they don't feel like they have the backing from the state's attorney's office, and they don't feel like they have the backing from command and city hall. No. And they're not going to go out there, and they're not going to risk their careers. Why, why go out there and be proactive if, if you're risking everything? by going out and chasing folks. You just sit in your car, you do your eight hours, and you go from call to call. And it's easy for us to say, there ain't no way I could I could do that. I couldn't sit there in a car for eight hours and not go out there. But you know what? These are, these are young folks, and they took this job, and they work hard. And you, you still have folks who are out there. Yeah. But... What they're dealing with, the officers, is a constantly changing command structure in the police department. I'm going to cut you off, Mark. We're going to take a short break. We're talking about Mark Tomlin. We're talking about Baltimore. We're going to talk about situations that are happening in Baltimore that are happening in other parts of the United States and possibly happening in your neighborhood or your town, your city uh, in the near future. Don't go anywhere. This is Law Enforcement Today. We'll be right back. 
rates based on a man age 42 with no tobacco use of any form for 20 years. Policy number 25. Policy underwritten by various life insurance companies. Premium includes a $50 policy fee. Rates and underwriting criteria subject to change at any time. Not available in some states. You've heard those term life insurance ads with their rates read very low. And at the end, they have a long disclaimer read extremely fast. Why? Because most people like us will never qualify for those rates. It's just a way to get you to call. Listen, at the term lifeline, we'll never quote you a low rate hoping you'll call. Then try to sell you something else. But we do promise to get you the best rates available on policies of $500,000 or more with professional service. Don't waste your valuable time. Get the real rates you want on term life insurance policies of $500,000 or more from the term lifeline. Call now. 800-957-6068. That's 800-957-6068. Keyboard Cat, Hamilton the Pug, and Toast Meets World. These are some of the Internet's most beloved pets. And they all have one thing in common. Their stories started in a shelter. Start your story. Adopt a dog or cat today. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Training that pet to play the keyboard, that's optional. Start a story. Adopt a shelter or rescue pet today. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Home Security Advisors. Call 866-334-6387. They're online at help.lockitdowntoday.com. Is your home as secure as it should be? If not, call Home Security Advisors, 866-334-6387, or visit them online at help.lockitdowntoday.com. Back to the Law Enforcement Today show with our guest, Mark Tomlin, retired Baltimore police, as we said back in the day. Uh, also was chief of police of an agency in Baltimore and uh, now an investigator uh, for the state of Delaware. Obviously, things have changed quite a bit in Baltimore. And uh, two things that I, I see all the time on Law Enforcement Today when we, we post articles or stories about uh, the death of proactive policing or why police are taking more of a hands-off attitude and people say well it's their job they should do their job they should care I, I could tell you from my own experience and from the experience and interactions and conversations with a lot of law enforcement officers that they want to do their job but what happens is if they get jacked up by a state's attorney's office or someone else and charges are placed, they're immediately suspended without pay. That means their family loses health insurance and all their benefits. So it's not just about that officer. It's about taking care of their family as well. And that's a heavy, heavy responsibility to be added into the mix. So when people are jumped to the gun and say they should do their job and shame on them for not doing it, look, you get in the car and you, you take the risk of having Something happened beyond your control, and then your family, no health insurance. You and your kids, your wife, kids, your husband, kids, nothing. And that's what happens to them. And that's exactly right. You know, the one of the issues is these folks are going out there, and they're 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 risking their they're risking their health, they're risking their family. Sometimes they're risking their sanity by going out and dealing sure. with the things that they have to deal with. And, and one of the more pervasive issues 
that's happening now, and, I, and I'm sure we saw it when we were there, but the, the one of the major problems that I'm seeing now is a breakdown in supervision. Right. You don't have the sergeants out on the street, the lieutenants out on the street. The folks that are out there working don't have a plan to follow. They don't have supervision. Any any successful constitutional policing, police accountability, any any proactive strategy has to have leadership. And yes. most importantly, it has to have checks and balances. Absolutely. And the checks and balances is one of those things that would appear at looking at some of the more recent unfortunate incidents that occurred with the Baltimore Police Department, it appears that a lot of that has fallen through the wayside. You have this rogue unit that was operating for years, the Gun Trace Task Force, putting in hundreds of hours of overtime that they didn't work, going out robbing drug dealers, selling drugs, all all the things. And, and of course, I, like you, only know what I read. But the first thing I'm thinking is how did this squad operate with such impunity right. for so long? With no regulation. What, what, their sergeant was, uh, I believe, tangled up with accusations. But we had lieutenants that oversaw the sergeants. You had captains and majors overseeing them. So where was the breakdown? Why is there a breakdown? Could you imagine trying to turn in an overtime slip? And I'm not talking about a sergeant and a lieutenant. Try getting it past the administrator that worked in your district station house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or like Kim, who we lovingly called the dragon lady in yes. Homicide. You better not try to turn anything in that wasn't up to snuff to her. No. It wouldn't have to go sergeant or lieutenant after that. But all of these breakdowns, you, get, you had these folks from the GTTF or the gun task force were turning in overtime slips while they were on vacation. I, I, it's, that baffles me to this day. And that's one of the things that... I know a lot of the old timers really don't understand. And I, I'll be honest, I don't know where they got away doing that. We were not allowed, we did not have the leeway to do things like that. And everybody doubled, triple checked over time. And if you were doing things in a way that was, as a rookie officer, I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't do things the right way. And you know who taught me how to do things the right way? It was the old time police. It was the Vietnam veterans, the Korean War veterans. It was the officers who came on the job in the late 60s. It was the sergeants. Everybody told you how to do your job. And you were, in effect, a result of an entire group of people molding and shaping you. And and to some degree, the people in Baltimore would say, hey, you know, that's out of line, too. They They wouldn't hesitate to tell you if you were out of line. Absolutely. Now, in Baltimore, you have sergeants who have four years on. You have supervisors who have four years on. The, it seems like the old... At first, they wouldn't talk to you. And then when they started exactly. talking to you, they started telling you everything that you did wrong. Right. But that's, that's how you learned. That's exactly and, and right. And now, 
these folks in the in the police department, the rank and file people, who I will love until the day they put me in a box. We came from that agency. The rank and file cops do the work. They're the best. That's right. But they're but they're dealing with a, a breakdown in public trust, which is not necessarily their fault. It's a it's a breakdown of public trust in in the agency and the later disclosures about overtime abuses by other people that weren't in the gun trace task force just fueled the fire and and it just added to it and that with the and and I and I hate to say it ad nauseum but the breakdown of checks and balances and supervisory oversight caused these problems not to mention the the lack the seeming lack of a strategy for fighting the crime. Baltimore is now number one in the country per capita in murders. Yeah, and as a former homicide detective and and homicide supervisor, that's got to stick in your craw a bit. You know, we had a lot of murders in the 80s and 90s. It was, Baltimore's always been a very violent place. I jokingly tell people, Baltimore helped win the War of 1812 because they had the army and they had the Baltimore citizens fighting with them against the British. Until that point, they'd lost every battle in the war, pretty much. So, Baltimore has been a a bare-knuckle bucket of blood but with great people since the 1700s. You've always had violence, but you've never had violence at the rate that you're seeing now. And people talk about, or I talk about, the fact that the the lack of checks and balances and oversight causes some problems. But then people say that you, you, you know, going out, you can't arrest your way out of a problem. Well, no, you can't arrest your way out of problems. But you can proactively police and you can target the bad guys and that way you can make a difference. Let's let's look at just look at history. You had police commissioner Bielfeld uh-huh. and Deputy Commissioner Tony Barksdale. Between two thousand seven and two thousand twelve, those two teamed up at one of the worst times in the city's history. The murder rate was climbing. The judiciary and civil rights groups were, were going crazy about things that the police department was doing. But during that time, during their tenure of Bielfeld and Deputy Commissioner Barksdale, homicide dropped below 200 in 2011, which was the lowest in, in decades. Yeah. And the arrests the arrests themselves dropped from more than 100,000 arrests in a year to about 45,000. That wasn't because they stopped working. It was because the supervisors and the management and the crime plan stressed quality arrests over quantity. We're going to cut you off. We're going to take a short break. Here's in Law Enforcement Today with our guest, Mark Tomlin. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation on how to get rid of that debt for good. Call the Debt Helpline now. 
We work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Stop living with debt and start living your dreams. Call the Debt Helpline now. 800 kidsbuckleup Back to the Law Enforcement Today show with my brother from Baltimore, Mark Tomlin. It's always good to have some Baltimore police on here. And, and I joke, when I tell people that w- the way we say police in Baltimore, they go, well, what's wrong with you? Like down here in Florida, they're like, uh, that's, a, that's how they talk. When I was a, a rookie at the Academy, brand new, you know, I came from Southern Maryland. I didn't know the Baltimore language. You know, people told me, Short story, uh, a domestic call, and I'm there, and the, the, the complainant says, an officer, he was selling me wolf tickets. And I'm like, I don't know what the heck that is. I have no idea what they're talking about. Wolf tickets. Yeah, and I had to ask, what is that? Is it like concert tickets? What is it? You know, <laughs> I didn't get it. But that you learn. You learn as being a, a, a patrol officer, a post officer, and one of the highest compliments you got as a young officer in Baltimore is when you were assigned a post. And my sergeant at the time said, listen, if I pull up and I point out someone and you can't tell me where they live, what they're into, whether they're a good guy, hardworking man or woman, or they're criminal, I'm going to yank you off this post and someone else is going to have it. They would do things like leave little telltales at the back of businesses on midnight shift and a little card, call me when you get this, to make sure you were inspecting the back of buildings. All the old matchstick on the doorknob. Exactly. And and that was that was how you and I were raised in policing. And uh, they use the term nowadays community policing quite often. And I'm like, what is that? It, that's and it sounds a lot like what we used to do back in the day before things changed. It's a fancy name given to old school policing where you knew the people on your post and they knew you. And do you remember what would happen if you were working a midnight shift and they found a burglary on your post? Oh, yeah. The next morning, where were you? What were you doing? How did you not see this if you were doing your rounds? It was all about accountability. And I'm not saying these folks aren't accountable. But they're not well supervised. You've no. got what I believe to be a top-heavy command staff. You've got agencies and colonels that are in charge of things I've I've never heard of. And like I say, I was talking about the Bielfeld and, and Barksdale era. They took a rest down from a hundred thousand a year to about forty-five thousand. It was all about quality over quantity, and. What they did was, Bielfeld had a very strict 
strong community-oriented style policing where he went to the meetings and you talked in the neighborhoods and you were transparent. He was a product of and Baltimore, too. He, he was he born was and a raised in Baltimore. Baltimore. Yes, he was. And, and we I, worked together and he was a good straight cop. And too. I think that's part of the problem. We, I say we. Agencies like Baltimore, cities like Baltimore, continue to bring in the, the next breath of fresh air when it comes to police administration from some other part of the United States has absolutely no idea what that city's like. And we can say the same about Philly, D.C., uh, Richmond, uh, Miami. I'm a firm believer in in the guys and men and women who work their way up through the ranks to start as patrol officers that handle the calls that were on the streets to talk to people that that have their thumb on the pulse of what's going on in that, that jurisdiction. And Baltimore seems to have gotten away from that entirely. Yeah, and and I don't know whether it's fear from City Hall because hey, let's let's be completely honest. Any proactive crime suppression strategy has the potential for abuse, catastrophic consequences. Right. It it happens. Things happen, and it has the potential for abuse, and that's why supervision is so paramount in having a, a, a decent crime strategy. When you have folks that are doing the jump outs and they're doing stop, stop and frisk is a great tool. Right. But it's got to be done for officer safety. via Terry versus Ohio. You and I both know what that entails. You just can't see, oh, let me go grab that guy and throw him against the wall. There's got to be more to it than right. that. You can't just jump out and start. That can't be the hallmark of your crime strategy is jumping out of the car, throwing people up and saying this is a, a stop and frisk. You, you just can't. But another problem, and Baltimore's dealing with it, and it's it's something they have to fix because you're talking about a ship without a captain. Yeah. Since 2012, right now they're in the process of, Baltimore's in the process of hiring their sixth police commissioner since 2012, if, if you count um, interim commissioner Gary Tuggle, who came from the old Western District. Right. Um, but... You, you just have this constant turnover, and you, and, and you have folks who didn't come from Baltimore. And I'm not saying that somebody from the outside can't come into an agency no. and change it. But we had a lot of um, officers, like myself, that came from other parts of the United States that worked there and, and, and that died there. That you know were from New York, that were from New Jersey and Philly. And, and they know the city as well as anybody because they were policing there for 20 years. That That's exactly right. But when when you have... A lack of leadership and of course when you don't have somebody at the helm when you have the the police commissioner's position keeps changing it, it causes a, a problem with morale yes and when you have a problem with strong innovative leadership the rank and file knows that they know that they're not being led well and that creates a horrible internal morale and what you know better than anybody else when it comes to police work, when you don't have morale, you don't have folks that want to go out. No. And, and when and you bring up morale, we're getting close to the end. One of the, the things that's really not talked about with Baltimore and a lot of cities, and not just Baltimore, but a lot of cities, counties, states, is a shortage of manpower. I read a letter from the FOP president that Baltimore is 1,000 officers short of where they're supposed to be. Where you and I would go out in a district with 21 on a shift, they're going out with eight. 
And with those eight, some of them are forced overtime from other districts and have no idea. They don't even, they've never worked that district. They don't even know where they are. And that is absolutely insane. Not only do they not know the people in the district, they don't know the district itself. And there's an inherent problem, and Baltimore's been doing it a lot because of the uh, the shortages. You force these folks to work overtime. A tired police is a danger yeah. to both himself and to the citizens. You can't go out there just completely rag-tired. And some of these folks are being forced to work overtime four and five days a week. There, there comes a time when that gets to be too much. The, and that's why I consistently say that the management isn't looking out for the rank and file. Who thinks it's a good idea to take a bunch of folks from the Southern District and throw them into the Western District for four hours? They don't even know where they're going. They don't know where streets are. They they don't. They, it makes it really difficult to respond. You know, is it with like computers? They've got sat naps. Baltimore doesn't even have computers in their cars. They're they're still writing tickets by hand, aren't they? I. You know what? I I, I don't know. Well, that goes back to my uh, discussion about us with a mace that doesn't work. So uh, that, that, right, that's right. that. The basic is, and we're going to close here real soon, because you, in your article, you made a powerful point that I say all the time, and I don't remember where it came from, and that is a fish rots from the head down. That's where exactly does the problem right. start in Baltimore? Who, who's, who does the buck stop with? And, and the, the average folk sees the problem. You can't help but see the problems that the agencies have, and it's in the press constantly. Constantly. And it makes when me want to cry. It makes me really, really sad. Me too, because I'm very proud of that place. I'm proud of the time that I did. But you can't think for a minute, at least you and I, could tell people until we're blue in the face. The problems with the agency doesn't come with the rank and file. The rank and file officers go out there and do their job every single day. And 98% of the officers on that department go out and do that job with distinction every single day. But how are you supposed to do the job with no supervision? They had... Uh, a rash of shootings, which I immediately, just from looking at and uh, seeing where they were happening, said, okay, you got a drug war going on. You yep. got folks taking each other out on the tr-. They took a whole, I don't know whether it was 30 or 40 cops. They took them out of headquarters. They took them from other districts. And they all put them at Northern Pennsylvania on foot. So guess what? The criminals moved elsewhere. They, they just went eight blocks away and shot each That's other. That's right. Mark, we're going to have to wrap it up, and we're definitely going to have to have you back. First well, of all, you won't have to twist my arm, good. I'll tell you what. Folks, listening right now, and you go, well, I'm not in Baltimore. Why does it concern me? Because this is the kind of problem that is happening, and it's epidemic throughout the United States. Mark Lucas Tomlin, thanks so very much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Much, much appreciated. Thank you, Jay. I, I hope to be back again. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, 
See ya. 